Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. And today I have a very special co-host, Priam Saraswat. He is the founder of Voosh. And we are in Ramona at Mama Ramona's with the proprietor, the man that is a pizza technology legend, uh, Andrew Simmons. Andrew, welcome to Digital Hospitality. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have a co-host all the way from the other side of the world. Uh, Priam just relocated to Palo Alto. Priam, welcome uh, welcome to the co-hosting duties. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm super excited uh, to be a co-host. Uh, <laughs> I've been always on the other side, so it's good to host. It's with good you, to host. With you. With, you got to ask the legend. tough questions. I'm going to ask some tough questions. No, no, <laughs> We're going to talk a lot of uh, good stuff for sure. Tough well, or not, we'll see. The coolest thing for me is we started this show back in 2017. It started as Behind the Smoke. Um, it was a barbecue marketing and business podcast, um, but now it's evolved into so much more. And I think we're going to just start the show with with Andrew telling how did we meet Andrew? We're, we're in the same city. We're both in San Diego County. We're both independent restaurant owners. And yet now we're connected by something much deeper, which is digital hospitality. And that's why we're connected to people like you that are listening, you, the listener, you, the viewer, uh, Andrew, how did you and I meet? You and I met, I was trying to recruit you to speak at an event that I had going. And uh, we ended up having a conversation. You asked me if I did any kind of social media. And I said, <laughs> that doesn't no. sound like me. <laughs> no, I don't do anything at all. And you said, you need to get out there and you need to tell your story. And so I started telling my story and it felt really super awkward at first, like you said it would be. And I kind of grew from there. So, you know, I mostly talk just on LinkedIn. I'm bridging into Instagram a little bit, but I mostly write on LinkedIn about what happens inside this restaurant, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, that's how, that's what I do. What's incredible to me is when somebody does the work. I go on stages, I'm fortunate to have gone to Toronto to speak and Chicago and New York and Los Angeles and I speak to audiences, we do this show. But my grandfather, he told me to stay curious. So curiosity will lead someone to a podcast, it will lead someone to read an article in a magazine, it will lead someone to go to a keynote. But the, the next step is to get involved. If you hear something that inspires you, are you willing to get involved and are you willing to be uncomfortable and do the work? You did the work and mm -hmm. now you're seeing the fruits of that work. Yes. Tell the audience about this LinkedIn journey of where has it gone and, and what sure. have you learned? So I bought this restaurant back in January of 2020, a month before COVID hit with a partner who we'll just call my <laughs> CNO, my chief no officer. <laughs> so anything I want to do in the chief restaurant. No and, <laughs> And, you know, we came from doing deliveries for restaurants for five years. We did it. And this restaurant came up for sale and we thought we've been telling restaurants why they should do delivery. Let's buy a restaurant and figure out why they don't want to do delivery with us. And so we bought the restaurant. We turned a large pile of cash into a smaller pile of cash. <laughs> Is that how it know? works? And then we hit COVID a month later yeah. and we got to live through what every other restaurant was going through. So we made kits. We put a dough ball and some pasta sauce and some, and that's how we survived that summer. I think we did like 1500 kits a month 
Wow. Um, wow. And that brought in like $8, $9 per kid. And we literally had wow. people just lined up and just making kits. Nice. And that's, that's how we survived. And we got through COVID till they reopened. Um, and so we, we, we kind of ran it, but my CNO wanted nothing to do about <laughs> fixing anything, about doing anything. And then I came to learn that he actually hated the restaurant. You know, it was Ooh, just yeah. like this, this money sink all the time. Mm -hmm. And so in July of 2022, I bought him out. And I went around, I, I set forth to do what I really wanted to do with the restaurant, which was to automate it. This restaurant's been around since 1977. It had a cash register. It didn't have any POS. You know, when, when we bought it originally, um, everything was old or broken. And, you know, like when, when the, the fire inspector comes through and they look at your Ansel system and it's been expired for seven years, you know, and then they're like, you got to fix this right now or you can't stay open. And we're I'm spending $7,000 to fix yeah. it. Um, so that's, that's kind of how we got to here. So in, in July of last year, I, I set about really modernizing the restaurant. You know, I first went through and fixed stuff. I fixed the air conditioner, I fixed the roof, I fixed the ovens and whatnot. But then I started looking like, how do I automate? Because, you know, I see in the news that, that in California, they're passing a bill that every fast food worker is going to make at least $26 an hour by some certain year. And I'm thinking that's fast food. And yes, it's for you know, larger chains, but all of that stuff rolls down. Yep. So it's going to hit us soon. So I started looking at how to automate that process. I have 14 employees right now and we're, and we're, you know, making pizzas and all that stuff and we're churning a lot of money through there, but it's going to payroll yep. and it's going to supplies. So I looked at different tech. I ended up ordering a, um, a machine called a machine called a picnic and it makes pizzas and it makes it at a pretty fast rate, 150 pies per, per minute. Wow. Um, now or 135 somewhere in there so um we we you know we, we put the dough but then you realize that even though you've got this certain piece of tech now there's all this other stuff around it that has to be modernized or brought up to speed for the automation it's great that i can produce 150 pies an hour but i have no way to cook them fast enough so that leads me to buying some ovens from turbo chef some fire you know fire pizza ovens they're awesome they're not great for throughput it's like one pie in one pie out but they do a beautiful job in 90 seconds. And so now I can make pies really fast. Like I can cook a pie from dough ball to finish in 130 seconds. You know, so, so we, we've got something really fast that, that we can do, you know? So, so over time, I've, in the last year, I've added, removed, bought, sold, um, tried out, gotten rid of all kinds of tech. And I write about it all on, on LinkedIn. You know, some of it's, you know, most of it's good because I do a, a a lot of research before I buy it, but some of it turned out to be crap. And so it, you know, gets booted off the island for lack of a better <laughs> word. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of, kind of what I do. I, I, I do unboxing videos, which I learned from Sean and I have unboxing. fun with those. Unboxing. I love it. I love, I love it. the unboxing yeah. videos. Nice. So, uh, so I've, I've done that. I write about the tech. I write about what works, what doesn't work and how it works nice. within what we're doing. And, you know, through this this time frame, I've now built this footprint of how to take what I've learned and how to take it further, open up more locations, smaller footprints, less staff, more money, you know, and how to do it inexpensively. I don't have to buy a brand new oven. I don't have to, you know, there's 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 a lot of opportunities out there to move in and out of things. Like for instance, I'm I'm signing up with Cloud Kitchens. That's a one year lease. Yep. So I can move in and out faster than if I say 
grab some brick and mortar where I have to sign a five-year lease and yep. a five-year extension and all this other stuff. I almost rented a, a uh, location in Oceanside that re- was going to require me to get a $50,000 deposit, um, some kind of UCC filing, um, you know, rent and personal guarantees for both me and my wife because we're in California because they said if I fail, they can just pluck my house, you know. So, you know, I switched to cloud kitchens because I can go into cloud kitchens and I can go in for one year. I can see if it works, the concept works. And if it doesn't work, I can pull out and move somewhere else. Yep. Um, I've since found maker kitchens, you know, so I do stalk you to see where you're going as well. (laughs) (laughs) We're familiar with both cloud and maker. Absolutely. So I am going to rent some space in, in maker as well. You know, kitchen number 15. Yep. I'm we'll going to be neighbors. out there. We'll be neighbors. We'll be You're neighbors. on the other side of the, the hallway somewhere. S- sports arena. You know, I think that was your barbecue I saw in that memo. <laughs> you know? Most likely, yes. So, um, so yeah, so, so through this, you know, I think I can take what I've learned here and what I'm doing and grow and expand. So I'm a, I signed a lease in Philly for some more space. It's a little bit further away, but it's a cool red eye that flies out of here at 10 o'clock at night. I arrive at 7 in the morning in Philly. I can do my work there. I can get back on the plane. I'm back in San Diego by nine. Wow. Um, it's a crazy day, but, <laughs> crazy you know, day. but I do have an office in Philly for my other, uh, you know, job that I work occasionally called delivered. So, you know, we, uh, we do, uh, you know, essentially catering delivery on demand deliveries. Um, so I do have a little bit, I have to go out there for anyways. So, um, but I'm looking at San Francisco. I'm looking at Tempe. I'm looking at Phoenix. I'm looking wherever there's a cloud kitchen that I can bring my technology to, and I can roll out what I think is my secret weapon, which is selling subscriptions. Um, and I sell a subscription for pizza. It's uh, 52 weeks, um, one 12 inch pepperoni or cheese pizza per week uh, for usually $99. Um, Retail is about 199, but it gives me some leeway if I wanna do like a Black Friday special, or I wanna do something that I can drop that cost back down to 99, but I average about $99 for the year. And then these memberships or these subscriptions work just like a gym membership. You're going to mm-hmm. use it a lot in the first four to six weeks, yep. and then you're going to stop using it or use it less and less yep. until by summer, you're maybe going to the gym once a week. It's the same with our subscriptions. We do a great pizza, but people don't want to eat pizza every single week or every other week. So. We see overall about a 44% redemption wow. on our pies, mm. which means that that pie, which costs me $2.65 to manufacture, cook, slice, whatever, and get it to the customer, I'm now only doing less than half of the number that they subscribe to. Yeah. And it's a use it or lose it. You use it this week, great. You don't use it, you lose it. But you could take that subscription and gift it to somebody that week and let somebody else try it. We're fine with that. But generally, people don't. They hang on to it. They don't say a word. Um, but then they come back and they renew the following year for more of it. Because at 99 bucks, even if I only used it five times, I made my money back if I'm buying retail. So that, that subscription that we run here in Ramona will be the same that we'll run in every single location that we open up. And that gives us our operating capital and what we need to survive for the first six months of operation while we build our whole business. Awesome. Amazing. Uh- can I ask like one point? You're, yeah. you, yeah. you, in order to co-host, you got to yeah, let's yeah, go, baby. Exactly, let's exactly. go. Yeah, you're yeah. supposed to be a- asking questions. <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't know, I don't know. 
So, you know, uh, Andrew, you brought a very, very interesting point that when you were starting, COVID was just hitting, right? Uh, so I just want to take your perspective, uh, you know, because a lot of restaurant owners have perceived COVID in different ways. A lot of them were in trouble. A lot of them sort of innovated. I just want to know how you see the landscape evolving, sort of the pre-COVID era, the COVID era and the post-COVID era. How do you see overall, uh, you know, the industry evolving, innovating or going in a negative direction. Just want to take your views. How did you perceive anything specific you looked at uh, when COVID hit uh, and any any learning which you have sort of taken forever from that from that incident? Yeah, I think that I think that the the landscape has changed significantly. I think that restaurants realized that they needed to do something different. It reminds me a lot of, you know, back in 1999, 98, somewhere in there, I bought one of the first digital presses in the country and mm -hmm. then I bought a second one. Yeah. Everybody was still doing traditional print. They all had the Shinahars and the yeah. Heidelbergs and everything they were all printing. And I bought digital and nobody was interested in doing digital. Yeah. It took the dot-com bubble in 2007, 2008 right. to, to, to happen. And then suddenly everybody was interested in doing digital. Yeah. And the whole landscape for printing changed. Correct. Went from traditional to digital. By then I was already gone. I'd sold it. I'd moved on to Kodak. I was selling digital presses for them. But I was at that forefront when nobody else was. And I see that same kind of thing that's happened with COVID. Everybody did everything the way they've always done. And yeah. then COVID hit. And then suddenly we had to pivot to learn how to do delivery. We had to yeah. pivot to learn how to sell online. We had to Absolutely. pivot to learn how to do all these things. And not all the restaurants could pivot fast yeah. enough or yeah. had that capital to yeah. do it. Yeah. And so we saw a lot of failures happen because of it. In the last year, though, I've seen probably the most transformation going on. Like people yeah. are really taking stock of this is my data. It doesn't belong to DoorDash. Yeah. It doesn't belong yeah. to Uber. How do I access it? How do I how do I protect myself yeah. from third party yeah. Um, yeah. companies? And it's it's yeah. not just protecting yourself. It's about <coughs> managing the partnership, managing yeah. the channel. You yeah. know, you can hate DoorDash all you want, yeah. but they bring a lot of business. You look yeah. at Orange Crate, which yeah. I ran for from 2015 to 2000, well, I sold it 2023. You know, we, for local restaurants around here, we brought pretty decent business. Well, I yeah. went against the grain after I sold Orange Crate and I signed up for DoorDash. It brings me five times the volume yeah. that I was getting through Orange Crate. So I can't give it up yeah. because it's good <laughs> business, but I think you have to learn how to manage it yeah. to not get um, not give in or not know that yeah. customers out there are looking for the reasons not to pay correct. you for the food. Correct. Correct. And and that's where, you know, you came in where I found you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would just want to double down a little bit on the sort of the, the, the off premise business, the online business and the, the marketplace part of part of it. So like pre COVID, the numbers used to hover around seven to 8% of the total revenue was coming from like the third party marketplace and the self ordering channels. But now post COVID, the landscape has completely changed. It's almost 20% plus. And for a lot of brands, we have seen this number grow as high as 25, 30%, right? Mm -hmm. so, but, but do you think that the ways in which they sort of operate on these marketplaces, has that evolved or it's pretty much the same? I just want, want your take, like how the restauranteurs are, are looking at marketplaces. Uh, is it still a black box or they're looking at it in a positive way? Like what's the overall perception around the marketplaces in the hearts of like, uh, like a food service entrepreneur? That's a good question. Um, for us, you know, our off-premise business is about 85% now. Wow. So, yeah. you know, this room that we're using was, you know, had four booths in it yeah. uh, originally. We don't get that much dine-in which yeah. has allowed me to convert a lot of my restaurant into other functions. Yeah. 
I think that follows, at least up here in Ramona, that follows the same. Yeah. There's a lot more off-premise than there yeah. was before. Yeah. Um, do, you recognize, do restaurants recognize it? Most, I think, do, but there's still some that are holding out for somehow that hospitality can continue to bring you know, those people back in. Yeah. They don't want to sign up for DoorDash. They don't want to give up commission. They don't want to do this. They want it to be like it was pre-COVID, and I yeah. don't think we can go back to pre-COVID. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, you whatever you can, you can say, but ultimately, it's gonna get them business, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't, you can't not rely on them, right? In some right. of the other ways, so you have to. But do you think that a lot of them they still feel that they are their enemies? They are not with them. They are not holding their hands when they need them. Do you think still it's a perception? I think yes, absolutely. absolutely. Okay. Okay. And like, what what are the primary reasons like that? Still the perception, but ultimately because it's giving them business, right? But it, what are the it? It's bringing them business, but the issue is, is that they're having to pay for that business, that they're that they're having to, to fight to keep that some of that money. Mm -hmm. um, they're paying a, a high commission, yeah, you know, 35 percent, yeah. and they're not necessarily manage the managing the menu to to manage the channel. Yeah, like you, you don't need to give up thirty five percent of yeah. uh, of your sales. You can yes. up the price a little bit. You can yeah. get free delivery. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. ways to manage it. I don't yeah. think that they do. Perfect, perfect. So personally, I, now I would just want to highlight your personal journey on these marketplaces. Any few problems which you want to identify and you know tell all the viewers that you know these are the challenges which you faced, and like any solution, any technology, uh, which help you overcome those challenges. If you want to talk a little bit about that. Sure. So. <clears throat> I will say that probably one of the best ways to get any help with any of these channels <laughs> is to post on LinkedIn. Okay. <laughs> I will tell you You're that, telling the secrets. I know. I will tell secrets. you that. That's how you build well, in public. But that's how you build in public. Yeah. And that's and, yeah. and, and, and that's how not much only more you learn. Much more effective on LinkedIn than it is on Twitter. And that's yeah. just for restaurant. I mean, the restaurant technology space, that's why yeah. I, I love what you do is that yeah. you are willing to tag the appropriate people so that they know that there's an issue. Like we're, right. we're the users. Exactly. We should exactly. get some feedback. So for, for seven months, I couldn't get onto DoorDash. Wow. Um, so I would fill out the, the form. They would ask me for three forms of ID and all this other stuff and drop into a black hole. And I went around this circle constantly. I would talk to people on the phone and whatnot. They didn't believe me to be a real restaurant, even though my, my Google listing showed everything, all that other stuff. <laughs> So one day, I, I think it was in February, I, I, I wrote a, a thing about how frustrating it was dealing with DoorDash. And within an hour, I think, three people from high up DoorDash reached out to me. And within an hour after that, I was live. Wow. And it only, you know, they, they fixed whatever the issue was and they, they got in there. Now I kept their name. So every time I have an issue, I reach out to those people specifically. Um, when I had issues with DoorDash, you know, just giving refunds and then blocking me from being able to, to fight the refunds. Yeah. Cause I have, you know, I have a, a low tech wise camera installed that aims down at the, the uh, countertop where we unpack the orders and reconstruct them for DoorDash and then send them out the door. And people are saying, well, I didn't get something. Well, I have proof, but I have no way. So, but they're blocking me from being able to submit that proof. So I reach out to again through a post and um, and not only do I have conversations with them on, on things that they're doing to try to fix it, but I learned that internally DoorDash and their own virtual brands have the exact same problem, yeah. that, that they're losing money as well, selling yeah. their products yeah. inside their own platform yeah. by the, the, you know, the center. So there's two different silos here that are, are yeah. running the, the show sure. and 
taking money from their own organization. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I think that there's, there's opportunity there to fix things and, yeah. and whatnot, but it just comes through conversations and I yeah. if I answered your question. No, I Priyam, veered off well, somewhere else. For the people that don't know that are listening, I mean, the, the reason we do this show is we talk about the business creator economy and you, the viewer, you, the listener, to know that you have the power in your pocket to make significant improvements and to develop deep relationships with some of the most incredible technologists on earth. And Priam, when did you find out about Andrew and when did you find out he was one of your customers? Yeah, so you know, you gave a shout out to Chris, right? So Chris is uh, our VP of sales and he was, uh, I think, connected to Andrew a uh, few months back, uh, mm -hmm. I believe, yeah. And you know, Andrew, I think was posting, that's the beauty of building in public, he was posting and you know, that's when we realized that, you know, there is uh, an operator uh, near San Diego who is facing uh, a similar issue, right? For which we have, we have solved for. So just, just, to, just to give some context, we, we built products for, uh, uh, restaurant operators help them manage and grow their business on third-party marketplaces and a dispute manager is is our sort of flagship product in which we help uh, the operators use AI and file for disputes and get a success rate as high as 70% plus on the disputed orders right and that's when we realize that uh, there are so many operators who are facing such issues which Andrew is facing and uh, yeah we wanted to build for them we want as I said earlier right we want the operators to only focus on innovating on food, innovating on how they can create value for the end customer with the best possible uh, food, of course, uh, covering the unit economics of it, uh, right? So, so we don't want them to focus on on such issues which Andrew was talking about, right? They don't have, it's a black box for them that what are the orders which are disputed. So we don't want the operators to go through this trouble and that's that's why uh, we built this dispute manager which can help them get their, uh, get their uh, sort of chargebacks from the customer, uh, uh, you know, which was stuck. So yeah, that's that's a problem which we identified uh, and we we have solved for it uh, via the Woosh uh, dispute uh, manager. Yeah, is it, it when you see something like that? Because for restaurant owners, we know what reviews are, we know what Yelp is, we know what Google is, we see the Facebook. Yeah. But a SaaS company, once you see someone building in public like Andrew or myself, yeah. that actually like that's something that I've solved for. Like, yeah, yeah, oh my no, God. absolutely. Yeah. Like not only absolutely. does he, not only does he have the courage to yeah. address the problem, but we actually can solve it for exactly, him. Exactly, exactly. And that's the power of connectivity, which you're talking about, yeah. right? That if you are connecting with more people, you're building in public, like, like problem solvers like us will get to know a new set of problems, right? Yep. If, if uh, Andrew wouldn't have talked about it in public, we would have not been very sure that this feature is going to add so much value in the ecosystem, right? So yeah, that's 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 how that's the beauty of a collaborative ecosystem. If we all can come together and solve for uh, the problems, uh, I think we're gonna have a better future for the industry. How do yeah. you add multiple revenue streams? You look for opportunities. So are you in the restaurant business? Do you consider yourself in the restaurant business? Uh, I may. Mean, how about the food commerce business? Food commerce. <clears throat> yeah, that's digital hospitality business. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tell us about microgreens. So, you know, as and we're going <coughs> to we're going to do a behind the scenes video on our YouTube channel so you can see all of yeah. uh, the incredible technology that Andrew's yeah. putting out and his micro green room. But go ahead and tell us about sure. the, the micro so, green room. So, you know, with 85 percent of my orders going out the door and a lot of unused space in here, I have a 5000 square foot restaurant. I only use really about 2500 square feet. Mm. So one of the rooms I have is just devoted to essentially tech that, you know, 
needs a place to sit when it's not being used. <laughs> unboxed tag. Unboxed tag. But yeah. Unboxed or ready to be so, boxed. Wait, you're going to do a reboxing video. I am doing we're, a reboxing. We'll go, we'll go back. We're, we'll go back yeah, to that. Let's talk about reboxing. But anyway, so, I hear about so I've got this space. So I've, I've been interested in, in, in microgreens and growing for some time now. Um, but I, but it was always about how, you know, essentially build it off, off premise and then, you know, bring in the, the goods here. But I got to think about why can't I grow inside the restaurant, bring the farm to table into the restaurant and then grow inside of it. So back in, um, I think, uh, April or May, I started laying out plants to take over 600 square feet of the restaurant and turn it into a microgreen grow facility that required. I had to get a permit from the county to be a, a culinary garden, uh, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, and then to build out this this idea and microgreens are like like if you go on Facebook, you can find there are hundreds, maybe thousands of people growing microgreens in their basements, in their closets, in their spare bedrooms. And they're eking out like a five hundred or a thousand dollars of extra revenue mm-hmm. um, from their own home. Yeah. Going to farmers markets and, yeah. and stuff That's like that. Them. Farmers markets are great. Like it, it, if I'm the only one growing microgreens in Ramona. Awesome. There's like 10 people growing microgreens in Ramona. Mm. So who all goes to the farmer's market? So you want to go sell to restaurants, you know, who better to sell to restaurants than a, you know, me, someone that owns a restaurant or direct to the consumer, but even better, why not use the stuff in my own recipes? Yeah. So my own cilantro, which is grown my own basil. We, you know, we cut the basil in the morning and it's on our, our pies by the afternoon and microgreens have like all the nutrients built into the plant in the first seven to 10 days. So those nutrients, you know, live through the entire life of the plant, but they're most concentrated in the first couple weeks of their growth. Hmm. So when you eat these, these samples that I brought out, you're tasting what that plant would be, you know, later, but more diluted because you're not getting the full, the full benefit of it. We can grow 40 different varieties of, of plants back there. And most of them grow in seven to 12 days, you know, some of them, you know, 18 to 21 days, you know, some have longer grow times, but everything's automated as much as possible. We still water by hand. There is some automation in, in the works that'll, that'll, you know, make it so it's auto watered, but we're watering, we're running through a uh, three to four day germ process. There's a one day blackout, and then there's lights to come on at 930 at night until I think nine o'clock in the morning, uh, maybe 10 o'clock in the morning. So we're getting that light cycle in there for the plants as well and it's all low voltage which is good because you're in california you know that electricity is like you know incredible cost like gasoline yeah it's worse it's like three times gasoline gasoline. so so um in this small space and this is something that really any restaurant could do the cost to build a rack is about five hundred dollars and and you make back that investment in only two grows you know so you know, these trays sell for anywhere from 20 to $50. So that's you going to Restaurant Depot, you going to U.S. Foods and buying the, the microgreens yourself for your salads, for your, your you know, garnishes and stuff like yeah. that. Why not grow it yourself? It doesn't yeah. take that much knowledge. There's, there's a little learning curve, but not much. So, you know, I went overkill. I put in 14 racks, you know. I can grow 280 trays of, of plant material every 7 to 10 days of whatever it's going to be. And then I can put it directly on there. So when customers come in to buy, to, to come get their food, mm-hmm. I get to talk to them about farm to table, about how we brought our own greenhouse in-house and how we grow. Everything is, is, is grown here in, 
like there's 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 no supply chain. It's not being grown, refrigerated, frozen, refrigerated, you know, back to you, and then you've yep. you've lost that taste. You're getting the super freshest taste you can possibly get right off the bat. Nice. And so so we have there. We do have plants to grow it out further. Grow it out, no pun. Um, to add another two sets of, of 14 racks. So that little section of space there, the way it's built today, will generate a quarter million dollars a year in revenue, fully fully built out three quarters of wow. a million. And that's me using it, me selling it to other restaurants, wow. me selling direct to consumer. And then of course, my favorite, selling subscriptions. Yeah. So. That was very innovative. I mean, finding revenue streams out of like the same real estate, it's, it's an amazing idea. And yeah, we tasted them. They, they, it is yeah. amazing, yeah. They're Phenomenal. All, yeah. yeah. They're great. one of my favorites. Awesome, awesome. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the profit margins, right? Because you talked that, you know, since your business is 85% on, on the marketplaces and uh, uh, there's a significant chunk of money which goes in commissions, right? So how do you sort of think about uh, your profit margins and any specific practices uh, you have adopted? Uh, to sort of manage your profit margins, increase your profit margins on on these marketplaces. Anything you would want, uh, you know, from that from the marketplaces to be done in a different way so that it could help uh, uh, sort of online first entrepreneurs like you. Sure. You want to talk about. So, to me, I think automation is, is is really key. So knowing that we've got wages that are increasing, which will increase burden, which increases all the costs down the line, health, everything. Um, when we started the restaurant, or when I essentially in, in July when I took it over, we have 14 employees running, doing the same amount of volume almost that we do today. Today I do it with four employees. Wow, so that's amazing. We use automation wherever possible. Yeah. We humanize what we can't automate. Um, we, we we try to keep that nice personal touch with all of our customers, and and really the subscription process also <laughs> helps us with that because we get yeah. a lot of repeat business. Yeah. We get to know our customers. They come in, we greet them by name, so they feel more at home here in the restaurant. Yeah. Um, so really, I think that if I'm just starting out, I'm looking at how do I automate and how do I do it so that I don't have to have a large labor footprint? What equipment can I buy or do I have to buy it? Can I rent it first to make sure that, that what I'm doing is the right path? If you buy a $50,000 oven and six months from now you just can't make it, you, you either still have to make those payments or that's a loss and you're going to sell it. And, you know, you, you know what used equipment sells for. Yeah. It's like, you know, probably five or 10 cents on the dollar. Yeah. So, um, so for us, we're looking at like for us, I'll open up in Oceanside. My first oven is rented, you know, um, whatever tech I have here, I, I can use down there as well. We'll probably at first make our own dough up here and move it down there for the commissary. Cause you know, cloud kitchens is also like extremely small, tight spaces. Yep. Yeah. So I don't have a lot of extra room. Um, but the automation, the small footprint, whatever you can do to, to minimize that upfront is what's yeah. going to drive for you higher profit it's, margins yeah. down the road. Awesome. Awesome. And like automation, do you also want to talk about automation uh, of the processes you do on the marketplaces, like the software part of it, the data part of it? A, how do you feel uh, is the importance of uh, pulling in right data, sort of managing your customers on the marketplaces, be it your reviews, be it your disputes, as we talked mm -hmm. about, be it your consolidated financials? Uh, how big an effort do you feel currently, uh, you know, to get all this data in a centralized place uh, for these marketplaces? Uh, and like, like, 
you can if you want to talk about any any tool or any solution just help you sort of look at that data in a unified fashion or sort of helping you manage your business on these marketplaces in a better fashion if you want sure. to talk a little bit about that sure so we use owner.com for our our, our whole back end for the orders coming in for our, our websites. It has a lot of built-in automation for SMS and for email marketing. Okay. Not quite to the level that I'd like to see it, but mm -hmm. it's a process and, and I've shared with them what I think they need to do for the for the future. Okay. Um, I use Mr. Yum for doing uh, some, some CRM marketing as okay. well. Got it. Um, it's got a really super interface, super easy interface to build emails out quickly. I've used Toast. Toast has a good email marketing um, with an AI component that they've just introduced. It's pretty spiffy. The open rates compare to um, that of, of Mr. Yum and of owner.com. So those, those open rates are good. Um, for the overall data itself, um, I wish that I had more data um, insight into what goes on with DoorDash and, Grub, and Uber Eats and Grubhub, but you know, more specifically, <laughs> You know, yeah. um, I do value, of course, Voosh for, for handling my, I know that my overall um, cost, my lost costs have gone down since, in, since, since engaging Voosh in that regard. And also I don't have to log in and look because I get really pissed when I look at and read somebody and they're like, you know, they got yeah. a $7.50 credit on a dipping cup that they said they didn't get. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, um, but it, it, it's really about trying to pull in all, all that data, all that knowledge into one centralized location. And I don't think we're there quite yet. We're getting there, but it would be yeah. nice to have one yeah. master brain yeah. in there. Yeah, so that's what actually we have solved at uh, Woosh with our consolidation feature. We consolidate all the data points, your, your key metrics, like your uh, ratings, like your mm -hmm. reviews, like your financials, uh, like your disputes in a centralized dashboard. And you can take actions via the Woosh dashboard. So you mm -hmm. don't need to go to these uh, you know, standalone marketplaces to look at your critical data points. We have built in our technology to flow all the information in a single uh, uh, single dashboard and you can manage and grow your uh, third party business. Cool. I'll have to, you know, yeah. explore that more Perfect. in all my spare time. In all your Perfect. spare time. Perfect. Yeah. For those that are interested, talk about fundraising. What are you doing to sure. grow so, your footprint? What's the offer and how can somebody that's listening to this think differently about opening up their next one location or 25 locations? Sure. So I actually turned to my, my LinkedIn followers and my customers, and I do kind of a unique crowd fundraising opportunity. So I know that I'm going to make pies, you know, in, in each new location. So I built, because I like subs subscriptions, I built a rev share subscription model. So you subscribe for like either $300 or $500. And in return, I will give you two cents or four cents of every pizza that I produce that's a saleable pizza. So not a, a subscription pizza, but one that we actually sell. Yep. And we allocate about $4 of each of our pies because we get an average of about $19 in profit per pie. We allocate $4 of that pie towards those subscriptions. So you sign up for $500. Every day I send out a, a email that says in this particular store, this is how many pies that we made for the day it might be 55 or 60 pies. And then there's a little equation that says you made three dollars today. And so that that amount accumulates 
over 12 months. It runs only for 12 months. And I haven't decided yet if I'm going to continue it after the 12 month period or if I just let it ride. Because in a, in a location like Ramona, if you subscribe at the $500 level, our projections so far from what we've done in Ramona look like you'll make about $650 for the year. So, and you know, you can cash out every day, anytime you want, you know, from, from that subscription. But as we move into stores like Oceanside and Philly, locations that will have probably 120, 150, 180 pies per day that we're selling, that $500 subscription probably needs to be increased in cost because I'm gonna be giving out probably more money than I need to. But you're the guys that are here that, that have faith in me that are saying, I think what, I, what he's doing is good and, and it has legs and it'll grow. My intent is to open up 24 stores by the end of 2024. Wow. I've got three stores leased in, in various stages through Cloud Kitchens and through Maker Kitchens that will allow me to open. I've got marketing plans in place. I've got everything you know, moving mm -hmm. right now. So by the end of the year, we're at four locations. What's the name? Mama Ramona's. Mama Ramona's. Mama Ramona's. Yep. I was going to go with the whole robot theme, but people are kind of iffy about robots. Really? Yeah. That was the feedback? Yeah. Iffy. Really? So I was sad because I, I love robots. <laughs> <laughs> but Mama Ramona's is also a brand that's been around since 1970. Well, it was Mama Rose's from 1977. So Mama Ramona's will be in Philly. Mama Rose's will be in Philly on Girard. So, so no pizza robot in, in Philly. <laughs> Technically, it's owned by... A robot pizza company, but, <laughs> but yeah, so we're, so, so we signed a lease on, uh, Girard Avenue, um, in Philly, right next to, I think Temple university, um, in some cloud kitchen space. We signed in cloud kitchens, new Oceanside space, which they just opened up. Um, we are on the fence, but likely to sign the one at Aztec yep. because we want to tap into San Diego state. Um, We've agreed to uh, Maker Kitchens, and then I'm looking for the next four at San Francisco, Tempe, or Phoenix, Denver, and um, somewhere in Southern California, like you know, Sac or not, or like Orange County area yeah. in there. But they're all owned by us. They're not, you know, franchises or anything like that. And they're they're all using our same methodology that goes into extremely small footprints, small labor footprints, pretty decent profit margin coming out of them. It's amazing. So I do want to talk about my daughter coming to your restaurant. <laughs> so I brought my my wife, uh, my son, and my daughter. It was the first time that I came to Andrew's restaurant. We did a bunch of video content together. But he had a pizza-serving robot. So... Caddy Robotics, which is the local distributor, Travis Lee, and uh, Keenan Robotics, which is the actual robot. But this robot delivered what you guys see here, these beautiful pizzas, to our table, and my kids lost it. Like, they absolutely lost their mind. They couldn't believe how cool it was. They were talking to the robot. They're like, when's the robot coming back to the table? <laughs> the next day, I took my, my kids to school, and my daughter's like, are we going to, are we going to see the robot restaurant? Like, <laughs> Not today, sweetie. The next day, 
are we going to the robot restaurant? And I was like, Andrew, you got to get me in touch with Travis. We need a Keenan robot at our restaurant. So now we have a barbecue serving robot. Tell me about robots. And obviously I know it's a lot different when you're doing a cloud kitchen, maker kitchen mm -hmm. expansion, but where do you see, I mean, you have picnic machines. Where do you see robotics and the future of pizza? For us, we use it to be able to, of our, our limited dining now, but it, it, it allows us to serve those tables to bring out all the food all at once or to bust the table quicker. So like when your group came in, I think you're like eight people. Yeah, it was my roughly. mom. Yeah. So <laughs> I can load up all the food on all four trays. I can send it out to you and then I can be there to greet the robot to hand the food off to you and, and whatnot. That allows me to stay within that small footprint because I don't have to have a food runner. Yep. I don't have to go three trips back and forth to the kitchen and then the food you got first and then the food your wife got later. Correct is, you know, essentially different temps. So uh, we, we call her Rosie um, and she's, she's, you know, super helpful for us, for us. And then again, to go and, and, you know, bring her back after all the guests have left, load up all the plates and send her to the kitchen so that some, someone can wash those dishes and we can turn the table faster. Yeah, I mean, so, the, cool, the coolest thing for me is to see the looks on our customers' faces because it's the same look that was on my daughter and son's face mm -hmm. when the robot came, is that it's so cool to be where we are in 2023 and we're just in the beginning of robotics. Right, and, you know, and we it go sings to all happy this, birthday. And it does sing happy birthday. <laughs> it brings out Peach Cobbler at our restaurant, sings happy birthday. But we're just in the beginning. You go to all these tech shows and you see the robots on yeah. display and we think, oh, that's nice. They're not coming, but they're here. They're already here. Robots they're already are here. here. Yeah. They're here. How are, how are robots in India? Uh, it's, I think it's, uh, as, I, as I was saying earlier, that the adoption of new technologies, I think US uh, has the fastest adoption. So I feel in India, they are still pondering upon, they're still thinking uh, whether uh, they should adopt it or not, because there are some, you know, some ethical angles to it, which people sort of unnecessarily sort of hype it up. So I think there is a lot is of... Is it because they want hospitality or is it the actual like... No, we, it's we, because there's... Like we're scared of the AI. Yeah, exactly. We're scared it's, of the artificial scared of the AI, yeah. But and it has nothing to do with like, no, we no, need no. to be served by a human. No, no, it's nothing, nothing. No, no, no. I don't, as you because said, that's humans, a lot. I mean, what yeah. we deal with in America is a nostalgia where it's like, I need someone to pump my gas right. because someone's always pumped. Or I need someone to take my money at the toll booth because someone's... It's like, why? Why would you need to do that? Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I feel that's a unnecessarily hyped argument. I feel with AI, like new kinds of jobs will come. So we don't yeah. need to be scared of that, but we need to embrace it. So I feel that uh, US, uh, like that embracement is higher. That's why we are seeing a much faster adoption um, compared to uh, the other nations. Yeah. Oh, did you try uh, Mo yet, no, the robot? Not yet. What's Mo? So Mo is, I don't know what they actually call it, but it's a mopping and sweeping robot. That I think from is, Caddy. I think that's going to be from Caddy. From Caddy, really? So we we so I had it for a couple of weeks to try it out. Yeah, um, I called it Mo, which was from <laughs> Wally, -E, which is a micro obliterator and eliminator robot okay. from their from the movie. And so at you know after all, all the guests left, it's like the size of a short small refrigerator yep. that you have in a dorm room. You fill it with water, and then it it you know you, you build a whole you know. It's a commercial yeah, right, it's right, a commercial right, Roomba. Yeah. Right. So it's brilliant. but it works. It doesn't get stuck under a table and oh, send you amazing. a picture of a leg that you're never gonna find. Yeah. You know. So it it clean I mean and you know, we mop our floors every night after we're done. 
But this thing mopped better than I've ever seen. Like that water oh. that came out of that robot was the blackest water I'd ever seen. Oh, wow. It made me look like, like, oh my God, you know, like yeah, I've got yeah. this super dirty restaurant, yeah. but it just, it just scrubs. It, it's got little nice. brushes that scrub all the grime from, <laughs> you know, 40 years of, of here and then wash it up to four times running through there. So for an hour, two hours, it would run the entire restaurant, clean it to where I got in the kitchen. They're like, can we just leave our mats up and let it clean for us? So it doesn't go under tables. It's a little taller, you know, but it did a pretty amazing job. It's about probably about $700 a month to lease. Um, so depending on what your staff makeup looks like, mm -hmm. it may or may not make sense. Yeah. You know, just like there's a cool robot from NOLA that will wash your dishes. Mm -hmm. And it's got it's got arms and an AI and it looks to see what the food particles on the, the plate picks it up, scrubs it, hmm. washes it, sticks it in the dishwasher. And then on the other side, there's a, an arm when it comes out, picks it up, puts it on the shelf. Wow. That's about three thousand dollars a month. So that's wow. probably two dishwashers yep. for yeah. you. So at what point does it make sense if you're doing a lot of dine in? You know, you haven't been hit like the rest of us and you have a lot of dine in still. At what point does it make sense to switch that mundane task to something that's automated that can handle it yeah. for you? Sure. And that's where I think that that's part of the overall automation. What can you do to automate for those tasks that it's hard to find people? Because mm -hmm. if you're like me, yes, you can run an ad on Instagram or Facebook and, yeah. and whatnot, but you still have to get a body in here. You still have to get them to show up. And I've learned that even when you're paying $20, 23 bucks an hour, they may not necessarily show up even with that because there's a more fun beach party or, yeah. uh, you know, my friends are going to a bar or I just don't feel like working today. And what are you going to do about it? Because you need me to show up yeah. at some point. So I think this, these options for automation exist and can help any new operator that, that start or even an existing operator. You just got to kind of think outside the box. Yeah. So for those of you that are watching, uh, listening, please join us every Wednesday, every Friday on the social audio app Clubhouse, 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time. It's a chance for you to get onto a live show. So we'll bring you on stage. Tell us about your restaurant. If you're in sales, if you're in marketing, if you're a content creator, if you're in technology, uh, the rising tide lifts all ships. And we've got digital hospitality leaders from all over the globe. But Priam, uh, I would love for you to give any any lessons learned of your your day of digital hospitality. What have you learned and what can you share with the, the viewers? Uh? Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, it's a new learning every day. I'm also learning. First time hosting a podcast? First time hosting a podcast. Look at Thanks did, to Sean. You did phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, I mean, learning, I feel uh, I'm learning more about uh, people and I'm learning from them a lot, actually. The people, the you know, the operators in the hospitality industry. I mean, they know how to deal with people, right? So that's that's something which uh, which I have learned from them, and which I just you know try to try to be. So I feel that the only way you can build long term relationships is adding value in the lives of the people you're offering your yep. product to, right? So you just you know in the end, whatever uh, you know, whatever sales pitch you can do, whatever you know, marketing advertising you can do, but ultimately, if you're not solving a real problem for the end user, you're just not gonna. Just, just, just not gonna make it right. So I think that's for me is the biggest learning that ultimately you it can't be faff. It has to be like a real solution to a real problem. Otherwise, everything is just, just, uh, just going in vain. Yeah. Andrew, what are you, what's the biggest lesson you've learned this year? I need to oh, today or this year? Today. 
Sure, oh, today. For today, today, I need to put an air conditioner in this room. <laughs> <laughs> for your studio? Yeah, from, from, from my new studio. For your new studio. I yeah. told you you're building a studio. Yeah. Yeah. First, studio? Time, first time Why I came not? here. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Every restaurant should have a studio. They should. Nice. Multimedia Absolutely. studio. It actually was set up as a studio when I first opened yeah. it, or when I first yeah. redid it. And then I switched it back to this family room, but this is one of my favorite rooms to sit in. So, And you yeah. could probably rent it out and have one more income stream. Maybe I'll figure a way. You'll figure a way. I'll figure well, a way. We, uh, we appreciate you guys listening. If you want to connect with me, it's at Sean P. Walchef, S H A W N P W A L C H E F. You can also connect with us at Cali BBQ Media um, on YouTube as well as Instagram. Priyam, how can people stay in touch with yeah, you? Yeah, you can t- stay in touch with me on LinkedIn with my name, Priyam Saraswat, P R I Y A M S A R A S W A T. Or you can follow the Woosh page uh, where we keep on uh, sharing a lot of technology advancements in the restaurant tech space. If you are an operator, you can just come follow us and, you know, learn more about how to grow and manage your uh, your online business. Uh, on Instagram, I'm with Priyam Saraswat. He crushes it on Instagram, by the way. <laughs> he crushes it. If you're a founder, follow him and learn from learn from Priyam. Yeah, it's P R I Y M S A R A S W A T on Instagram. You can just just come follow me and, you know, see and my journey. And soon to be TikTok? TikTok, let's, yeah. So, I mean, Sean so, so always yeah, I inspires me. I do it me. live. I do it live. Yeah. That Sean way, inspires that way I have me. It on video. <laughs> yeah. Sean inspires me to be on uh, as many channels as, as possible. So, I'm definitely going to yeah, be there. Imagine as well. how many views it would have got that 2 million views on Instagram. How many would you have gotten on TikTok? Maybe 10. <laughs> 10 million? <laughs> 10 maybe. Million. Why it's not? possible. Yeah. Global audience. Global, All right. Uh, global Once reach. this episode comes out, follow Priam on TikTok. His, his page <laughs> will already have been launched. Hopefully, fingers crossed. <laughs> Andrew, how can people uh, uh, connect you can, with you? You can uh, connect with me on Instagram at, uh, at Mama Ramona's. It's M A 2 M's, M A M M A R A M O N A S. Or you can follow me on LinkedIn at Andrew Simmons. Beautiful. And uh, if people are interested in investing, where do they go? You're going to want to go to a website called, called, called Pizza Roboto, P I Z Z A R O B T O dot I O. Beautiful. There it is. The future of pizza, the future of technology. Priam, Andrew, thank you. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you and we will catch you next week. Thank you.